And so the word tells us here, be angry and do not sin. So there's this danger. One, that you can be angry without sin, but that anger can lead to sin if you don't check it. You don't check your emotions or you don't obey the word of God. Number two, we can be angry and sin, right? Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, we're in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to finish out the chapter beginning in verse 25 through 32 today. And we have very proverbial type sayings here that Paul gives us here in Ephesians 4 because in this section he has the negative, what we're not supposed to do, by following up with a positive, what we are to be doing as believers. And so he'll begin with a negative and follow it up with a positive. They were probably a part of our life prior to salvation in Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus is that now that you are believers, this should no longer be part of your life. This should not be a demonstration of your life. You're to no longer be this way, the negative, and we'll get to those things in a moment, but you are to be like this. We are to be like Christ. And Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, he'll continue on with this theme, and in fact, probably just playing right off it, the chapter breaks are man-made. The verses are man-made. They were put there to help us find our location in the Bible. And so it's a continuing thought, but in Ephesians 5.1, it's therefore be imitators of God, be followers of God. And so we're to look different. We're to be different. We're not to be like the rest of the world. And the key verse in this section that we're looking at here today, I believe, is in verse 30. And it is, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We're not to grieve the Holy Spirit. So the negatives grieve the Holy Spirit. The positives cause the Spirit, although it doesn't say it, we can envision the opposite of that, of that of rejoicing, uh, a blessing, a delight. So we're not to grieve, we're to bring delight, we're to bring joy to the Lord. To grieve, it's a verb that means to cause great sadness, to cause someone to experience great sadness in their lives. And and this is that of the Holy Spirit we're talking about today. And so there's these do's and these don'ts that he gives to us, very proverbial in the sense that he has a negative followed up by a positive. As we've been reading through the Proverbs, we have this 
type of writing given to us here by Paul. And in verse 25, we're going to read through it, and then I'm just going to ask the Lord to bless this passage. It says, Therefore, putting away lying, each one speak truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole still no more, or no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. Let no corrupt communication proceed from your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. And Father, we pray that you would just teach us now through your word, that you would help us to hear what your spirit is saying to your church today. And Lord, bring us to that place to where we would not be grieving the Holy Spirit if we discover, Lord, that our actions have caused the Holy Spirit to grieve. I pray, Lord, today would be a day of repentance for us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So it begins by the negative. It begins in verse 25. Therefore, put away lying. Each one speak truth to his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. First thing he wants us to do is to put away lying. Now, last week we looked at this putting on and putting off. This put away, the put off last week in verse 22, it says, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man. It's the same Greek word, word of put off, like you're taking a garment off, like you're taking a, a jacket off a cold day and you get in the house and it warms up and you, you take it off. And the idea is that as a non-believer, they've been wearing lying as a garment. It's kind of part of their life. If you ever, do you know someone who lies all the time? Have you come across someone who they just can't speak truth? It's just, it's their nature. I've met people like that, and you can't trust a thing that they say. But as believers, we're not to be that way. We're to, to put it away. We're to put it off. We're to throw it off. Take that old garment off, that old garment of lying. And last week ties into this because we were to put on the new man, which has been created according to God, in righteousness and in true holiness. Verse 24 is what I just read, but... The righteousness speaks about our conduct toward each other. The holiness speaking about our, our conduct, our actions toward God. That we're to put on the new man. We're to be renewed by the spirit of our minds. And then verse 21, we learned last week that the truth is in Jesus. So Jesus being truth. Jesus Christ, back in this chapter we we have learned that Christ is our head in verse 15. He is our head. So Christ is the head. Christ who speaks truth. Christ who is truth. As his body, and we are the body of Christ, we are not to be lying members of the body of Christ. We are to put that away, to be done with that, to throw it off. We are to speak truth, the positive, with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. If you have a part of your body that lies to you, you're in trouble. 
if you cut yourself, and there are people we know that maybe personally don't know them, but they have people who have no feeling, no, no ability for their body to feel pain. And so they're in danger. If they get cut, they could bleed and not even know that they're wounded. Their body's lying to them and they get in trouble as a result of that. It's a dangerous place. And this is speaking about the church life here. Now, Paul is speaking to the church, but let's take it beyond the church. He's not saying only in the church, speak truth to one another. We are all members of one another. But when you're outside the church walls, nah, don't worry about it. Just go ahead, lie away. That's not what he's saying. It is to be part of our nature to speak truth because Christ is truth. We're to imitate God. We're to be like Christ to our best ability. We're to put away lying. You know, it's part of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20:16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. A Proverbs reads this way in Proverbs 12:19: The truthful lip shall be established forever, but the lying tongue is but for a moment. And that's true. You can get you'll get caught in your lies. And so Paul is telling us to put it away. It's to be no part of the believer's life any longer. We are members of one another. We're part of the body of Christ. Christ is our head. Proverbs 12.22 goes on to say this, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Now, what do you personally want to be to the, to the side of the Lord? An abomination or to be his delight? Do you want the Lord's delight over you? I hope that you do. But not to be an abomination. Lying lips, Proverbs 12.22 tells us, are an abomination to the Lord. And so we need to learn to be a delight to our Lord, to, who has redeemed us by speaking truth to our neighbor, by um, whether it's inside or outside the fellowship. Next we learn in verse 26, to be angry and do not sin. That comes from Psalm 4.4. And so Paul tells us just by that um, quote from Psalm 4.4 that you can be angry and not sin. There is righteous anger. Think about two examples when they were rebuilding the walls in the temple after the children of Israel came back from Babylon. We have the example of Ezra and we have the example of Nehemiah. They were both angry. They were both angry because of righteous cause. They both acted and responded quite differently. The situation was the same. They had come back from Babylon, and one of the reasons God had uh, sent them into captivity was because they had intermarried, and they began to worship other gods. And once they got back, they began to intermarry again with foreign wives or foreign men. And so the situation came before both Ezra and Nehemiah. They were both live at the same time, but these events happened with a long span between them. When it came to Ezra, who helped in the rebuilding of the temple, they came and said that we got some people, some brothers. The guy who actually uh, came and brought this attention to uh, Ezra, one of the guys, his dad had married a foreign wife, and he said, we got a situation that needs to be dealt with here. And it tells us that Ezra he began to mourn. He began to pull his own beard out. He was angry, but in his response, he afflicted himself. Nehemiah, several years later, in the rebuilding of the wall, the same situation, beginning to marry the foreign wives, 
he pulled the beards of the guilty out. I kind of like that one better. Don't pull my beard out. I don't know if I'd want to pull my hair out because I was angry at you. Might want to pull your hair out. But it was a righteous anger, a righteous situation that, and they responded very differently. Now, I don't know if we can, you know, is pulling out hair, is that sin? I don't even want to go there, but the response was different. But we know in a great example to me of a righteous anger that goes awry is that of Moses and the children of Israel in Numbers 20. And it was one of those times where the children of Israel were complaining because they didn't have any water. And they were complaining to Moses and Aaron. At the beginning of Numbers 20, Miriam had died. Their sister had now died. And now we have Moses and Aaron left. And the children of Israel complaining. They were saying the same old thing once again. Why did you bring us out? Why did you take us from Egypt? Where's the land of milk and honey? Now, they had forgotten that they refused to go into the land, that God, within a two-month period of time, brought them to the land, and they refused to go in. And now for 40 years, they would roam in that wilderness until that generation died off. And so Moses and Aaron went to the tabernacle. They prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to speak to the rock, and it will bring forth water for the children of Israel and for their animals. Now Moses, when he came out, He was saying words like, rebels, how long must I put up with you? And he took his staff and he struck the rock and the water came out and the people received the water, what they wanted, but Moses had misrepresented God before the people. God told him to speak to the rock and Moses struck the rock. Because of that, God said, because of your disobedience, both Moses and Aaron were not allowed to enter into the promised land. This was a a huge deal. It was what kept Moses and Aaron from crossing over the Jordan River and entering into the promised land because they had misrepresented God before the people. They had struck the rock when God said, only speak to the rock. See, many years earlier, God told Moses in a very similar situation, he told him to strike the rock. And God was setting up this picture, this typology that would become a picture of Christ that once struck at his crucifixion, all we have to do is speak to the Lord for our salvation and salvation will flow forth. But Moses kind of messed up that whole picture there by striking again. And we know that Christ cannot be crucified again, that he died for the sins of the world once and for all. And so there in that I was just thinking of that Moses in Numbers chapter 20, how you can take a, he was right to be angry. The people were murmuring again. I don't know how he put up with it for 40 years. And he did the right thing by going to the Lord, but he did the wrong thing when he disobeyed the word of the Lord. And so the word tells us here, be angry and do not sin. So there's this danger. One, that you can be angry without sin, but that anger can lead to sin if you don't check it, if you don't check your emotions or you don't obey the Word of God. Number two, we can be angry and sin, right? I would imagine our anger probably is is not checked. Our anger probably is more sinful than anything else. But there are right things to be angry about in this world, to be upset about. The things that displeased the thing we read in Scripture where God says, 
things that I hate. Well, we can be angry about those things when we see them being exposed. We can be angry when children are being killed in our streets because of gang wars or violence. We can be angry because of the corruption that is plaguing our nation through the internet and the effect that it can have upon people. But we need to have a righteous anger and we need not to allow it to turn into sin. An abortion clinic. We can be angry about the children who are being aborted, but it would be wrong to go bomb and murder the abortionists. We can be angry about our nation as it's falling into war, but I believe that church in Florida that shows up at the funerals of our fallen soldiers and saying it's because of the sins of the United States, they have taken a righteous anger. Yes, there is sin in the United States, but they are misrepresenting God at those funerals to where now we have the motorcycle guys who probably most of them aren't believers trying to stand the gap between the church and the families of the funeral. We got the world trying to stand the gap between the church. That shouldn't be. And so to be angry and do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath, Pastor Chuck, in his commentary on this, simply said, especially husbands and wife, deal with things before you go to bed at night. But as I was looking at this and taking the whole of Scripture, there is, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. It means to get things dealt with right away. Don't let it fester. But I think sometimes if we deal too quickly in situations without thinking it through first, we can, again, allow it to go into sin because we've been too quick to respond. So James, in James 1, 19 and 20, he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, but slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so we really need to think things through. And as I was thinking about this, I came up with a list of four things. I could have more, but of how we should respond when we get into an a situation that causes us to be angry with someone or angry about a situation. How do we respond? We want to make sure that we do it quickly, that wrath doesn't come about, that it doesn't develop into sin. We also want to make sure that we don't give place to the devil in this process, verse 27. So without resolving quickly, your anger can turn into wrath, and we can also open up a foothold for the devil to get into our lives. Number one I came up with was Matthew 18.22, where the Lord says, I do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. That's when Peter asked, how many times do I forgive my brother who has sinned against me? Seven times? The Jewish tradition was three. So I think Peter was saying, look, Lord, I've doubled it plus one. That's pretty good, isn't it? Seven times? And the Lord said, Peter, I don't want you to keep count." Although there might be some of us, you know, multiplied 70 times 7 and saying, look, it's the 400th and so-and-so time that you've done this to me, and one more time and you're done. God is saying to us that we need to, first and foremost, I think there needs to be the ability to forgive. And, and we'll read it again in verses 31 and 32, where in 32 it tells us, forgiving one another just as God in Christ also forgave you. And so we need to have the spirit of forgiveness. Secondly, we need to pick our battles. Some things are not worth getting angry over. 
Proverbs 19.11 says, The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook transgression. Now we pray to the Lord, and we ask the Lord, overlook my sins, please. And then we refuse to overlook the sins of another. It doesn't mean that you always overlook. It just pick your battles. Some things aren't worth getting angry over. And, you know, pick your battles as far as things that need to be rectified, things that need to be dealt with in comparison to some things that just need to be overlooked. Number three, when situations can get out of control, it causes us to become sin for us. Well, the Lord said in Matthew 5, verses 23, 2 through 26, and I'll just summarize it. He says, if you're coming to the temple and you got an offering to the Lord and you remember you have your gift and you haven't offered it yet, but before you offer your gift, you remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift at the altar. Go to that brother reconciled first and then come and offer your gift that, you know, we need to reconcile. We need to make amends. And sometimes, number four, leave it in the hands of the Lord. Romans twelve nineteen, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Sometimes we can only take it so far. Sometimes we can only do so much. And sometimes we just got to say, Lord, I've done what I thought I could do. I don't want this to turn to sin to me. You know I'm angry, but I just want to leave it in your hands. And I want to let it go. Dealing with this situation, don't allow your anger to turn into sin because it can develop into wrath and it gives place to the devil in your life. Here, the positive and negative, the anger, not allowing it to go into sin, not allowing it to turn into wrath, not allowing the devil to get a foothold in your life. The third thing that he deals with in verse 28 he says, let him and stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. So it appears that in the church of Ephesus, the culture of the Greeks back then, that thievery was just kind of, that's what they did. And Paul said, as believers, you don't do that anymore. In fact, get a job. Work with your hands. Make sure it's a good job. I know there's a lot of people. I'd love to have a good job right now. But I don't think he's saying get a good job. I think he's working with your hands what is good. Now, there's jobs out there that, well, for one, I'd never, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I never kind of dreamed about, boy, I would like to be a bartender. I think that would be a good place for me. You know, they like to counsel with their bartenders. How about a pastor who's tending bar? He could just do both things at the same time. I don't think it would be the right place for me to be. There are things we know that bring harm to man. Uh, you know, I got a job. Yo, I'm working with the mafia right now. I'm the hitman, you know. No, not for us. There are jobs that we can have, but we don't have to sin in the process just for work. But to get a job, to work with our hands... And then the idea of a thief who steals from others, now he's giving to others. That you not only be able to supply your own needs, but to help supply the needs of others, those who have need. And so you're not to steal, but you're to be one who shares. So the negative, the thief, 
the positive, someone who works with his own hands, someone who now shares with others. So we are to steal no more. It's one of the commandments in Exodus 20.15. It's the shortest of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. It's something that is not supposed to be part of our lives any longer. Father, thank you for your word. It's a challenge to us, Lord, because in many of these areas we can be guilty. And forgive us, Lord, where we have grieved you in times past. And I pray, Lord, that in this fellowship today, as you deal with our hearts, Lord, that those who would just want to, even right now as I'm praying, Lord, whatever the situation that your spirit is pricking their hearts, saying, Lord, to that individual, this grieves me, that that individual would now say, forgive me for grieving you. Cover me, Lord, of this sin. Let me have forgiveness again and help me in this area that I'd no longer grieve you. Father, let us put on the positive that we've read about today and put off these negatives. Put them off as an old jacket that we don't want to wear any longer and to put on the new man, the new woman has been formed through Christ in us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Thank you.